In this episode of What the Prophets Say with me, Emma Stark, and Prophet Sam Robertson here from our base in Glasgow in Scotland, we are asking the question, are almost all Christian organisations demonic? There's something that's worth a wrestle. Please join us in this episode of What the Prophets Say. Hello, loyal listeners, and welcome to another action-packed episode of What the Prophets Say with me, Emma Stark, and the glory that is... Sam Robertson. I always say that you're the glory that is, Sam Robertson. I hope that's the appropriate phrase. Completely appropriate. Right, the glory... <laughs> <laughs> the the, the glory, glory of God. Is. We should be the glory of God, God yes. that rests on... That's what it is, for sure. Yes, Sam Robertson. Anyway, 100%. how are you today? Yes. Outstanding. Good. Outstanding. Coffee in hand. Ready Excellent. to get going for a meaty conversation. It is actually quite a provocative mm. conversation, this one, I think. So hold on to your hats, my friends. Although we are just talking about our pets. We are. And will there be pets, dogs, cats in heaven? We're we're not that is not the conversation we're going to have. That's actually very controversial, really that is. one. And actually there are scriptures that you could cite that say Either that, yeah, yeah, you way. could work it. You could, work you a, could work it. You could manipulate scripture almost yeah. to say what you want. You could, and this has come from the fact that we, uh, David and I, have uh, moved slightly more rural. We used to be real inner city. I love living in the city, but we're actually really enjoying the countryside. I never thought I would say that. Sam, am I getting old? That's crazy. It is crazy. So, um, we have. I've just pa- planted pots of like um, dahlias. Do you even know what that is? No, I don't know anything <laughs> about flowers. I'm really sorry. I don't have a clue. Adelia. And uh, uh, trailing lobelias. And... <laughs> I don't. I'm not even trying to remember other flower names of petunias. I planted as well and hydrangeas. <laughs> How am I doing on naming my flowers? I don't know, I don't know them. So. <laughs> and uh, oh, uh, but we have animals invading. Literally, it's you like it. an invasion force. So I have a, a deer of some. I think it's probably a roe deer because it's not very big. Although we could eat it for venison but <laughs> it has come into the garden and is eating all of my plants yeah. and then we have like a mass army of rabbits who are reproducing as rabbits reproduce and they are everywhere then we have hedgehogs who come into the house <laughs> sneak into the house honestly and then bats have come into the yeah. house i've got a nest of jackdaws in my <laughs> attic you've got you've got an, an owl a neighborhood owl an owl yeah an owl owl O-W-L. We're back to that again. The twit twos the whole time. And my dad said to me, because he lives with us, Emma, did you hear the cuckoo? And I'm like, I thought cuckoos were like from far climbs. But apparently there's a cuckoo that's moved into our garden as well. Your dad's quite loving all the animals. Well, my dad has bought a catapult. He has. And he is sitting, leaning out his bedroom (laughs) window. catapulting the rabbits who are eating the plants. I don't think a catapult with a wee pellet is going to deal with, it a, scares them off. with a deer. But um, yes, so eating, that that's my world at the moment. It's not the same as the city. It's not. <laughs> yeah, welcome to the country. <laughs> I'm literally fending off to, to protect the dahlias. But they have completely um, decimated the lupins. Apparently a lupin is a favourite 
for rabbits. Who knew? <laughs> Not me. But I want to play on words here because a, a lapin is a French for rabbit. So the lapins are eating the lupins. <laughs> That's ridiculous, isn't it? <laughs> is this what you tuned in for and what the prophets say? It is exactly. Yeah. It's just because what I'm about to say is very strident. It really is. Really so I'm, I'm softening it with yeah. lupins and dahlias. And uh, I know that the feedback for this podcast is that you like our banter. Yeah, they do. Anyway, should we say something strong and strident? Yes, we should. We, we should, should. Now follow on. Okay, from dahlias to demons. That's a leap, isn't it? There we go. That could be the title. How much, Sam, could we say that almost all Christian organisations are demonic? I mean, I think we wouldn't want to be able to say it, but I think if we were very honest, we could say... Can I ex- explain yes. why? Because yes. that's that's a large brush stroke of a statement, isn't it? Yeah. So here we go. Almost all Christian organisations are demonic. Emma, how could you possibly say, say that, that we're all so godly? Okay, here's why. If you have systems, buildings, structures courses that have become idols you have within your organization idolatry and therefore demonic core issues mm-hmm. and it's not that I want to say to you, oh, let's be loosey-goosey and organic and never own a building. That's not what I'm saying, no. or never have a structure. But what I am saying, if you have systems and courses and buildings and structures, that there is a real idolatry, I think it's really easy to get there by oh, complete totally accident. I actually don't think that we ever set out to be, who sets out it's to be idolatrous as the people of God? It's I not intentional. It's not, it's not our start. Yeah. We don't go, let, let's, let's wake up and worship totally. something that's not God today. Yeah. And I think in us as, as, as humans, the, something in us loves to be really good at something and sometimes it can even be out of that desire to be really good that you only get really good with repetition and then there's a sense of i'm an expert and then before you know there's a sense of i've arrived and then very quickly you tip over into the idolatry without even realizing it and it's not so much i think uh, a jump from the organic the move of god it's new it's it's fresh it's on time and then you jump overnight into we've got an idol i think it happens on a sliding scale of even out of the goodness of our hearts and the desire to be great at what we do and in greatness it's really easy to then move into a sense of i've arrived let me yes. just become a professional i think there are some key questions to help us assess where we are on this because as you say this is a sliding scale yeah. that that how much of my energy the the money power the spend power of the church is being used to back um, a building or a structure or a course or a system and it's like absorbing everything mm. how much is our manpower just in backing up systems and processes yeah. how resistant are we to change because accidentally and um, we're change resistant we because we we are backing up a system yeah. um, and a structure rather than holding tightly onto a truth. And here is, I think, the journey that the enemy comes along and he says, um, come and play in my playground. Mm. 
Mm. And that, that seduction of, of the enemy, I'm going to give you a really good invitation so that you can come onto my turf, my patch. And so the enemy invites you into a foothold where you have put your foot on something he holds. Wow. And then you step into it and he will build a stronghold around you. And before you know it, you are in protect and defend mode and you are protecting and defending not a truth or a scripture, um, not a move of God, but you are protecting uh, denominationalism, structures or building or a system. And then you know you are in idolatry. Mm. Absolutely. And I think we have to start not by pointing the finger and saying, oh, do they over there, they're demonic. Because I yeah. think we would, some of you may feel like, oh, I could pick a few out. Let's yeah. not have that. Let's kind of <laughs> no. demonic organization bingo and find out who we think is demonic. That's not what this is about. I think you first have to start even in your own life, whether you have an organization or not. Mm-hmm. Have I actually wedded my own life to a method to a structure, to something that's stale, to something that actually lacks all sense of life and all sense of freshness. Have I so yielded to that, Mm -hmm. that actually there are areas of my life that are demonic footholds that the enemy has a grasp on? And I think for many of you, there is liberation today to actually be brave to say, mm-hmm. I will depart from or I will move on from these areas of my life that actually have become demonic footholds. And often it's just because something grows stale and something is yeah. now out of time. I do think that the people of God are very prone to this. And the reason we're very prone to it is because we are very genuinely, according to scripture, aliens or strangers in a strange land. And therefore we are continually aware of the hostility of the culture around to bite us and when you live as an alien or a stranger because you're ultimately a citizen of heaven you're a citizen of something outside a citizen of the kingdom of god more accurately you're a citizen of something outside um of the world systems you can very easily be prone to protect and defend because genuinely there you live in the tension of hostility all of the time now the problem with that is you can then say i defend what's Ours, rather than having the perpetual suppleness or yieldedness of spirit and malleability to be able to um, limbo dance under and out of the containment of structure and into the place of what do I defend? I defend the values of the kingdom. I defend, if you want to be defensive, you're defending values Values. and you're defending um, a right sense of shared culture, but you're not defending structures and systems. And the subtlety of that, I think, is sometimes lost on us. And where I think we can see our weaknesses in the extreme is because we believe in the in the king of kings and the lord of lords and it's by faith by faith that we have access and obviously the other sets of acknowledging jesus christ as lord but the by faith i 
actually makes us prone to even believing some weird conspiracy yeah. theories because we have to have faith as high in our lives. Mm -hmm. So we're prone to believing nonsense yeah. and we're prone to um, uh, believing what, you know the latest conspiracy thing. And then we are prone to defending structures and buildings because of the oppression and facility of the world. And we have to be honest that that makes us prone to idolatry. Yeah. Idolatry of a structure and an idolatry to a nonsense conspiracy rather than faith in Jesus and defending the values of the culture. Absolutely. And idolatry is ultimately expecting something uh, from something that only you should be expecting to get from God. It's an yes. adoration or a, a, a wrong looking to. I look to the structure to give me something that only God can. I look to the system to give me something that only God can. And this sense of of, of, of the, the structure and the system to, that goes first. But can I say it is so subtle. Yes. And I think if I was to ask you, our followers um, and listeners, are you idolatrous? Your immediate was would probably be, I hope not, but yes. if there was a set and genuinely I for in all of you there is a genuine I hope not and there's no willful desire to be idolatrous yeah. in, in the hearts of the people of God, but it is the sliding scale it is the subtlety yeah. where. The, there is a sense of there's a movement, there's a moment of the Spirit of God. And that's how most great organizations are birthed out of a moment of the mm -hmm. Spirit of God. And we just celebrate that, the conception, mm -hmm. the moment, the momentum that God brought uh, mm -hmm. in. But very quickly, when there is not a sense of mm -hmm. yieldedness to the Spirit, it then becomes a method. And, and I think yes. methodology, for me, methodology is our modern day idolatry and um, it's not the asherah poles and the carved statues of the israelites in the wilderness but it is the methods and the structures and the i've arrived I'm ha good has at this. become our idolatry has become our yeah. idolatry and i wonder as well um we're so d wanting to get some things right that the concepts of, you know, confess your sins to one another and be ye healed, the James 5 scriptures, are very um, almost redundant rather than front and central yeah. of what we do. So when we get into idolatry, we don't often give ourselves a lifestyle of being able to break that by a constant sense of, um, oh, I mess up here, yeah. here's my confession, here's my healing. And the sense of the openness of spirit and heart to say, right, what, what are we doing wrong? What are yeah. we doing right? Let's have a good assessment of it. And so I really feel that um, our defensiveness has become our prison. Mm. Wow, wow, wow. Our defensiveness has become our prison. And if you are listening to this, my friends, let me, um, I know most of you listen to this on audio, but for those of you who will watch this, let me look straight down the camera and say, if you are defensive about an organization, a church or a, a ministry or a business, if you are defensive about it, you must have a brave moment, my friend, to say, is my defensiveness actually my prison and the other thing i would want to say to you is this we've got to get back to only the values 
where we go this is this are the, these are the values yeah. of the kingdom what is the structure or the vehicle that now houses for this season, yeah. for this season these values and this phrase that actually was given to me by um, my leadership coach is smash the vehicles smash the vehicles to get back to the values or smash the structures to get back to the values build in a right way so that you don't have to smash it again but i think we are to think tent rather than permanence because we are temporary in this world and smash the vehicles and don't be scared to smash the vehicles to get back to the values and you know some of you i think will be asking well how do i actually measure if i have idolatry about a structure or a movement here's a test if you struggle to think of your life without that institution without that system beyond that organization if you struggle to think of yourself thriving if it wasn't there if you almost can't compute a life without it then there is a potential that it has become an idol and an identity what if it disappeared tomorrow how would you survive? And I yeah. think that measurement of if it vanished tomorrow and it was no longer my security, the organization, the institution, whatever mm-hmm. it may be, it was no longer my security. It was no longer my driving force. Would I survive in the same way? Would I be able to thrive? Would I be able to find the spirit of God? Mm-hmm. And if you ask yourself that question and you think, actually, I really struggle to think of my life mm-hmm. without it or beyond it or in a way that it isn't overly defined by that then i would suggest you have to say god i'm sorry that yes. i have i have potentially made this thing an idol yeah I, I, and i'm sorry and i repent and you would measure your relationships in that because you would see very quickly whether your friendships and relationships were activity orientated yeah. or truly relationally yeah. orientated that actually if you've if you continue to have those people in and connection, family, deep ability to commune with one another, you know that those are soul friends versus activity-based yeah. relationships where, which are just very genuinely never as rewarding. Absolutely. So I think you need to, we need to, we all need to be able to say that we don't want to make the temporary permanent. Yeah. We do not want to make the temporary permanent and that we have to keep checking our idols and we have to be able to run as scripture says you know that we offer our bodies as living sacrifices in other words i'm continually coming to an altar i'm continually climbing onto the altar i'm continually back in that place and that i come to the altar before I start to protect and defend a, uh, a structure or an organization. Yeah. And, the, and the, pro, the point of all of this is we are dealing now with the need to host the glory of God. And that's the redemption here. Yeah, come on. It's the hosting of the glory of God. It's the hosting of the thick cabot of his weight that means he's not going to sit in my preferences or my structures or my methods yes 
Yes. And so I do think in this, we are talking about bringing change. And although the prophets very much are the provocative voices in scripture, and they do talk in polemics, you know, in those broad brushstrokes, oh, Israel, you know, you're all sinful, you know. uh, Oh, Scotland. uh, Oh, Scotland. (laughs) Oh, oh, the whole of the Sadducees, the whole of the Sadducees and the Pharisees, you brood of vipers, you know. And and Jesus talks in broad brushstrokes as well when he's prophesying and bringing down correction to people I do think that in our uh, if we put on a shepherding hat very temporarily because it's not my main thing you do have to take care how you bring change that that we are smashing some vehicles and some methodology that we don't want to become offensive in some of the things that we're dealing with but we do understand that change comes through disruption and that does lead to disorder and to volatility and that we are taking care in a season, we're taking care of hearts in a season of change, but that you cannot escape disruption, disorder and volatility. Absolutely. And that, that, that is part of the parcel of change is there will be disruption there will be great um, great shaking that is disconcerting but in the change we've got to not just look after our own hearts but look after one another's hearts and there has to be a real sense of togetherness to uh, to journey this because uh, I would say that's probably been our weakness yes. that we've not held each other's hands in the disruption that is inevitable when God changes a season and smashes a vehicle and says now I want to do something different and instead we have spun out of control yeah rather than holding each other to say this momentary disruption this momentary destruction we will endure because it's part of how we get to a, a fullness of the glory of god yes and i think it's it's worth saying in all of that that disorder or disruption or volatility all of those things in changing uh, see and we will we will hit it we will. It's inevitable. Re- re- repetitively because change is, is is certain as death and taxes um so the sense there of um i can easily feel catastrophic loss in error mm-hmm. loss is part of the process yes. but i can't catastrophize the journey of change. Yep. I mustn't over dramatize the journey of change where I can slip into a fear based living yep. because there is loss. Yep. And so loss must be seen as necessary, yep. not a catastrophe yep. and not a gateway to fear. Absolutely. Because as soon as that happens, you give creative rights to Satan yes. to start to change the storyline of, of of change rather than God in it. I trust you. And actually, I'm, I'm biblically aware that every time you change something, this is what followed. There was some degree of, of shock. There was some degree of loss. And when we read scripture, we see it time and time and time again. Mm-hmm. And so ourselves, we shouldn't be surprised. Yeah. And and again, I, I bring it back. You need, for those of you who know that you're about to walk through this, mm-hmm. um, you don't necessarily need the masses who 
are on your side, but you do need the twos, the threes, yes. that are heart-connected people mm. with you, where you hold one another's hands and you pledge to one another, yeah. in change, we will not let each other catastrophize. In change, we yeah. will not let one another spin out. And there will be days where you're pulling your friends forward, and yeah. there will be days where they are pulling you forward, yes. but you need that, and you need to seek that out, and even pledge to one another, because of the changing season that we are in, that you yeah. will not let one another fall out as destruction and loss is occurring as yeah. a result of what God is doing in the earth. It always interests me, let's take the the getting married example, because you're uh, walking towards that in a very short time, you and Bella and David and I will have the joy of marrying you um, uh, to her. And not that actually you or Bella have said this to me, but many, many other couples have over the years is a very common conversation, particularly for the woman to feel in the marriage prep that she's going to lose something. Mm -hmm. And many of you will have walked that road that perhaps it's the feeling of a loss of a surname mm. or often a loss of independence, perceived loss of yeah. independence. Um, because, yeah, it's perceived it's perceived loss yeah. rather than at, that loss. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, or loss of the ability to choose my own life, loss of the ability to choose what I eat when I. All of those kind of things play into it. And there are some more serious things of loss of personal space, but yeah. particularly if you've been single for a long time and you've constructed that sense of how life you around. life around yeah. you, and yet. You know, David and I um, celebrate our 25th wedding anniversary in a few short weeks. Uh, although <laughs> we're laughing about it because we're actually in different, no, we're not just even in different nations. We're in different continents on our 25th wedding anniversary. And the irony of it is he's back home with our youngest Samuel and I'm with you and Jessica and Peter. Yeah. I think we're ministering in Canada together on our 25th wedding anniversary. Anyway, the irony that I'm with my children rather than my husband <laughs> for our 25th. It's just one of those things. So, um, but we're, we, we'll figure it out. Yeah. We'll do something. Thing. Um, yeah. Anyway, remarkable after. But the sense of marriage being the best thing we ever did, apart from Jesus um, and children, the just the sheer yeah. rewarding joy of 25 years where we never, from, uh, never, never for one moment did I regret the decision. never mm. for one moment in my marriage to David did I think flip what yeah. have I done never it was only ever a reward and, an and a upgrade. gift and yeah. an upgrade yeah. everything was an upgrade yeah. and we came to it with that mindset now you do choose your mindset I mean you do choose Absolutely. love and you do choose your mindset maybe we'll talk about that in another episode about the choice to that but in all of that the sense of loss was completely and utterly ill-founded. Yeah, yeah. And it was a loss that was inconsequential yeah. to the joy of the reward of the change. Yeah, absolutely. And I would want to apply that to those who are led by the Spirit. Mm. That when we use words at the top of this broadcast, like every every organization has demonic idolatry in it, which is very <laughs> strong. You know, smash the vehicles, yeah. demon idolatry. 
what is the softer underbelly of that concept is that you get the joy mm. of the new mm. and it medicates yeah. the loss that comes in the disorder yeah. mm. because there is disorder yeah. um but you should never be yeah. siding into fear because for the joy that is set, set before, before those kind of you know and we we don't grow we don't grow if we are always in yeah. protect and defend yeah I mean, that's just so rich. And I do think uh, on a personal level for us, you know, many people would ask us, um, how do you deal with a criticism? How do you deal with a loss? How do you deal with the stuff that is the fallout of just being a prof? It's, it's the, the five-fold gift that is mm -hmm. probably, that carries the most fallout <laughs> often. Yes. The yes. fallout of loss, the fallout yes. of relationships that don't go well, the fallout of yes. the destruction when a word of the Lord comes forward. We wish it was different, but it just so happens that the prophet often carries the most fallout because of the nature of revelation. And always it is, I think you have to get to a place if you're going to survive where the mm -hmm. sheer joy of the voice of God and yeah. the sheer thrill of knowing God yes. and the sheer adventure of his yeah. voice and his tenderness and his justice and truth being made alive overtakes at every point the loss and the destruction yes. and the pain and 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 that stuff that is yes painful we don't mm -hmm. ignore it but it pales in comparison to being in God and speaking the words of God mm -hmm. and being in the fullness yes. of your call yes. and if you let that become if you yeah. let loss if you let destruction become disproportionately large according to your call and according mm -hmm. to your obedience whatever your call is whether a prophet or not it doesn't quite matter if the loss and the destruction of change and and, and all that mm -hmm. that entails becomes so large that it overtakes the joy of your call you will mm -hmm. frazzle and you will yeah. spin yeah. Yes. out but if you're able to say actually yes this this stuff hurts but the joy of knowing you yes. god the joy of your voice the joy of being in my call is so much greater that's how you endure the criticism and that's how you yeah. overcome the quote-unquote loss i would want to push the marriage example a little bit further here in dealing with this sma smash, smash the, the vehicles. vehicles to regain the values or to rehouse the values and I, I would say this, marriage obviously is a sign of a wedding feast yet to come in the marriage yep. of the Lamb. So for me at its core, there is this underpinning truth, I choose you. Yeah. And when a husband and wife stop that trajectory, I choose you, I choose you, I choose you, I choose you, I choose to love you, I choose to serve you, I choose... Um, a mutual submission back and forth, but the I choose you concept, when it's so embedded, you rarely, I mean, there's always issues, and there's always problems, and there's always, you know, provision issues or discipline issues with yeah. children. There's always a something. There's always a spin somewhere yeah. because life creates that. So we don't live in some kind of vortex or vacuum. But the underpinning central place of I choose yes. you it, that then is like a tattoo on your inside yeah. actually is so anchoring that it very genuinely enables you 
over the years of life together to hurdle almost any opposition or any trial or any need for change. So at the core, let's use David and I together in our 25 years and and probably, I think we probably dated for two before. So 27 years of life together. The I choose you is so instinctively strong that we come to the place now where any sense of a trial or an opposition yeah. or a homelessness or a whatever it happens to be, and there are those things in life, they are hurdled in a very different way. They are. And, I mean, you you watch, watch David it, yeah. and I, and it'd be interesting, I'm very happy for you to comment even quite publicly here on it. Let's apply that concept into I choose Jesus. Yeah. I choose you, Spirit of God, to lead. I choose your ways. Yeah. I choose how you want to be seen in Absolutely. the earth. I choose, I choose, I choose you, Spirit of yeah. God. So when a whole organization is led by the choice of Jesus first or his preeminence or the place of spirit ledness, I choose whatever, you are totally away from the um, idolatry of a structure because you almost, it's not that you don't care about a building because facilities do facilitate, but the position of it in your heart is right because you are saying, I choose what the spirit of God wants and I am mirroring what I should see in marriage in our corporate following of Christ. I choose you, Jesus. So in the choosing of that, I am so able to smash anything that Jesus is saying, Not that's not for now. Yeah. That system, that vehicle is not for yeah. now. So it's that place. And it, yes, it's yielded surrender. And yes, it's on the altar. But it's a position of a life that says, I choose whatever you yeah, want. Totally. And j- just to comment, I guess, on your marriage, but not so much on that, on the concept of choice and how I see that and your yes in comparison to some others that I have watched. I think when that sense of I choose you is not fundamental in a marriage, what I've watched as an observation is when a problem arises or a trial arises, each person makes the other person a problem. Yes. The other person becomes an enemy. Whereas when there is that sense of I choose you in a marriage, when a trial arises, both of you are the team and the trial is the problem. Yes. The trial is the enemy. And there's a sense of no matter what, we will overcome the enemy. We will overcome the trial rather than a sense of an attack of the other person or a spinning out relationally. Yes. And I think even if we pull that back into Apply it this, to, to, yes. to what we're talking yes. about, yes. when you have not got the I choose you, Jesus. all you're left with is an attack in a worldly way, yes. an attack, a wrestle against flesh and blood. And whether that's an attack of a of a person, of a against an institution, or it's mm-hmm. a defend of a person, back yes. to the protect and defend, or a defending of yourself, my rights, my ways, I'm correct, I've arrived, because you haven't said and you haven't conditioned your entire insides every day to say, I choose you, Jesus. Yes, very good. And so therefore, in the application of that, the structure, you're okay. You are okay with a structure or a methodology or a a system or a course being problematic because you've so chosen Jesus that, that actually 
to be uh, uh, provoked by Jesus to smash the vehicle is not no longer problematic. It's not a big deal. It's just not a big deal. Totally. So we, we can see our error or where we've got to as a society or, or more accurately as the people of God. We're so button-pressed. We're so irritated by the prophets who are provoking right now who are saying, come on, guys, let's smash the vehicle. Yeah. Are not all Christian organisations demonised to some degree as we started this yeah. podcast today? It, it, we are provoked. Why? Because we're not choosing Jesus yeah. first. I mean, ultimately, does yeah. it not all come back to, uh, you know, you've forsaken your first love. Yeah. You've forsaken you. For, and if you if you've forsaken it, you're protective yeah. and defensive about the wrong things. I, I think this goes really against our culture and the church, where we see anything uh, anything that is shut down mm-hmm. must have failed. And, and and that's yes. our assumption and always you know and we've done that before in our organization yeah something we've had was right for a season but the vehicle was wrong for after a while it, it served its purpose and we've said let's move on and the assumption yes. is that thing failed rather than no that fulfilled what it was meant to do yes but the season changed and we didn't want to make an idol out of it so it shut or it ended or it changed into whatever was required and when a, when a institution or when a right organization has fulfilled its purpose and it ends it has not failed and i do think that bravery mm-hmm. uh, even in our dialogue we need to change the conversation because mm-hmm. there are some things that are birthed for a time and yet mm-hmm. the assumption is if it closes if it stops it's failed but actually if it stops on time and it stops because god has said it's done what i've asked it to do yes. it's not failed it's fulfilled and and we have to get better at celebrating when those things happen and encouraging one another to be brave to say it's fulfilled let's change the vehicle i heard a very tragic story recently uh, about a husband and wife team who were told by god very clearly to close their church and that's that's tough and i've had to bring that prophetic word a couple of times you know in in private rooms of you know god wants a shift here they kept leading that church guess how many more years it was a lot 14 14 my goodness me and there there were clearly moments of blessing and there were clearly moments that you just live under general grace common grace we call it that you because god is good and so you you know and you do get that sense of like okay well you're not in the perfected will of god but you're kind of way down here in this kind of maybe the good will of God, but you're not in the perfect will of God. So there were some things that happened that, you know, you could misread as a sign that God was in it. But actually, my sadness for them is this. What on earth did they miss? Absolutely. What were they 14 years late for? Oh, my! that actually yeah. you will never get again. Totally. And sometimes we think, oh, well, you oh, know, God will restore. Yeah. Yes, you're, you're right. Sometimes God does restore the years that the locusts have stolen when we're out of time. That is not... Yeah. That is not a promise. But that's also about what the enemy has stolen, not about what I missed out on because I was disobedient. <laughs> the locusts stole it rather than I was 14 years disobedient. Disobedient. Yeah, There's yeah, a yeah, difference. Yeah, 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 
yeah, obedience is better than sacrifice. Absolutely. As yeah, we yeah. read in scripture. So the sense of the, you know, disobedience becoming a hindrance to the blessing of mm. God. And I think maybe we, we need to talk another time yeah. about the fact that just because God's there because he's omnipresent doesn't mean he's happy about yeah, it. Doesn't mean yeah, he's affirming it. Yes, totally. we, we have Balaam in Scripture. This is terrifying. We have Balaam oh, in Scripture yeah. prophesy some accurate things. One of the most accurate prophecies of Not from the right source. Totally. So that's not an endorsement mm-hmm. because some nice things happened occasionally mm-hmm. because of common grace. Mm-hmm. Come on, we need to wake up a, a sense of discernment, discernment to say, actually... I might be measuring this as well, you know, maybe this little bit works or maybe the youth movement is great here or maybe people in the crash are happy or maybe actually got a gifted worship leader in or maybe this business is making a little bit of money. Or look at how we started, wasn't it? Yeah, you know, all of those little measurements where you say, oh, well, you know, it's a little bit of breakthrough, it's a little bit of breakthrough, it's a little bit of blessing. And you're going, no, hold on, guys. Can we have a discernment that is higher than, here's a little bit of fruit and here's a little bit of income to say, actually, God, is the vehicle simply not fit for the values? Well, is the vehicle not fit for the values? There we go. Well, that's been a longer conversation, but very necessary. So we, our loyal listeners Mm. in What the Prophets Say, podcast land, we bless you. With eyes to see and ears to hear and hearts to understand where there is idolatry in the midst and where there is the need to smash a vehicle to protect the values of the kingdom of God. We bless you into that in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. See you next time for another episode of What the Prophets Say. Bye. Thank you for listening to this episode of What the Prophets Say with me, Emma Stark. If you would like to go deeper with us, you would be very welcome to join our network, the Global Prophetic Alliance. You can find that at propheticscots.com, where we have a comprehensive training program to lead you into deeper realms of the Spirit of God and encounter. If you feel a call and a pull to deliverance ministry, you can download my latest e-course, which is a comprehensive overview of getting people free from demonic oppression. You'll find that at demonbusting.com. Join us on these different platforms for more interaction with Emma Stark, Sam Robertson and the GPA team.